0: What's up, everybody? Thanks. Hate that. Uh, How's it going? Thanks for stopping by. Uh, Welcome to the nowhere to go but up podcast. I'm your host, Sean Dustin. Got a little bit. I'm doing things a little bit differently now because of something that someone informed me of. um, To not do the visual thing that I was doing before, to come in and announce the show first, then go into the intro, then in- introduce the guest. So I'm trying something a little bit different, and you guys are the first ones to see it. So let me know um, if uh, how you like it, or if you don't like it. Uh, we have a great guest today, uh, Tara Carbert, and we're going to be talking about uh, gambling addiction, and what that's like, and what it was like for her, and how uh, she got through it and uh, you know, a little bit of encouragement, she will be sharing her wisdom, strength, and uh, hope with that. And so let me run into the intro here. And also, too, if you're on YouTube, do me a favor and subscribe in the corner, hit the thumbs up. If you are watching on Facebook, do me a favor as well and hit the like button and share this. Um, I'm going to do the intro and I will be right back with our guest.
1: Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a long-time methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin.
0: Hey, hey, hey. We're back. Hey, hey. Hi, Tara. How are you?
2: Hi, Sean. I'm good. How are you today?
0: Good. How do you like being a part of this uh, new thing that I just tried right on the fly?
2: I think it was great. <laughs> I thought it went well. I, uh, I'm i over here scrambling going, uh, how do I share this? I don't even know how to share it. So I'm a StreamYard novice. I have no clue what I'm doing. So happy to be here figuring stuff out with you.
0: Oh, that's good. That's how we do it, man. You throw darts, see what sticks, and whatever does, roll with it, right? Right. <laughs> so anyways, um, you know, we're here to talk about uh gambling addiction. And that's one thing that I haven't touched on yet and I haven't got uh into or actually it's probably cuz I haven't found anybody that suffers with a gambling addiction. So this is this is great for me because I get to dive a little bit into what that's like and you know what the parallels are between uh, that addiction and you know regular like drug addiction or you know any of the other kind of addictions. I think they're all sort regular. of. Yeah. I, I think they're well other kinds of addictions, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't I don't know if there is a regular addiction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Except maybe may sugar. That's a regular one.
2: Pretty
0: Caffeine. Yeah. Caffeine's a regular one. Pretty regular. Uh, yeah. You know, porn, that might be a regular one. I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, Sean. Yeah.
0: So anyways, but that is a, that is an addiction. So I, I it probably is. shouldn't. Very serious about it. too. So um, if you are a part of that population, I apologize. I wasn't trying to poke fun at, at that specific addiction. Um, so I digress. Anyways, uh, let's talk about you and yeah. uh, what, what, uh, how did you like how did how did that even come about I mean was there did you have like childhood like trauma or anything that that played into um like how you even got down that road or is this something you just Absolutely. found yourself in
2: yeah um so gambling was a uh, part of my family story from a young age um so my grandfather introduced me to gambling when I was really young he uh he would take me with him to the VFW when he would play poker with his war buddies and I would be his little sidekick and I would watch him play the numbers on football games and I would watch him do poll tabs. So I was introduced to gambling, you know, together with him. Uh, He was a gambler and, I also grew up in a in a family that had a story of addiction alcoholism um and I had trauma so I had like the trifecta right I had exposure I had trauma and I also um, grew up in a in an addicted household so um you know I, I had all those magic recipe that magic recipe for um, for being susceptible to an addiction and uh, gambling's just the one that that's the one that brought me to my knees and got me crawling into the rooms of recovery, asking and pleading for help. Uh, but I can look at my patterns and, you know, there was a pattern of self-destructive behavior, whether that was drinking or drugs or gambling. And gambling's just the one that I couldn't stop without help. Um, I had stopped some other things on my own or reduced the harm of them on my own. But gambling was the one thing that I couldn't stop doing. I'd make these promises to myself like okay if I if I break even tonight or if I win tonight like I'm never coming back here or I'm not coming for a month or I'll come with a budget. This is none of it. I, I couldn't do couldn't do any of it.
0: I like I like that come with a budget.
2: Yeah, right. Like there's no such thing. I'm coming with a budget like the, the crazy stuff I did like I'd go like okay I'm only bringing cash. You know, I like all these little and people with addictions do this, right? I'm only going to buy an eighth, or whatever it is, right? And then you find yourself going back for more. And so there was, I remember specifically a time where I was like, "I'm only going to bring fifty dollars." I brought my fifty dollars. I lost it very quickly. I drove all the way back home to get the debit card to go to the cash machine to get more money. There was no such thing as a budget.
0: Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I, I did. Get into gambling a little bit. Um, I I had a couple of times when I, I I gambled all my money away, and I had to ask my mom. You know, hey, I need I need some cash because I you know basically I screwed up. Um, I went and I I don't know if I was on anything. I probably was. Because meth and, and gambling go hand in hand, that's for sure. Like and and uh you know, sitting at the slot machines and like there's these bingo ones in California at the Indian casinos where like I would go in there at that two o'clock, three o'clock, you know, in the morning and you'd just see all of the all of the uh the tweakers and on the machines just pop, 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 you know what I mean yeah. it's just like I
2: do know what you mean. Yeah. I mean where else can you go 24 hours a day? Not very many places. You can no. go to a casino 24 hours a day.
0: And yeah, I I found myself in there plenty of times um and you know, I but I, I would always stop cuz it I it used to make me super angry every time I I I lost, right? And I I would get yeah. pissed and and
2: at yourself or at the casino?
0: I think at both, you know. Yeah. At the casino because they stole my money, of uh, course and,
2: they did. You had nothing to do with that. Nope,
0: nope, they stole my money, and then I get mad at me because I kept giving it to them. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, what, what void was that filling for you? Um, by, by doing that, by gambling, and and or did it just become like uh, at first it filled a void and then it just became an obsession? And then once you lost, you're like, God damn it, I know I can win because you've done it before
2: yeah kind of both. I think I mean there's there's so many different emotions that can come with gambling or be escaped by gambling. Um, so I think I think initially it was fun, you know, like, oh, it's just something I do, you know, for fun. like some people go shopping for fun, and i I thought it was innocent um, and and it evolved into um you know, being something that I had to do instead of something that I wanted to do. Um, when I think about like the void it filled, there's some critical moments in my story where the gambling escalated. And one of those was after my grandmother died. And my, my grandma, um, my grandpa passed away when I was 16 and, or 15, I always forget which year it was 2001. So I was 15. I can do math. (laughs) Um, and when she passed away for years before that, you know, going to the casino together was something the two of us did. And so I kind of fell into a bit of a trap where I, when I was there, I kind of felt like I was with her. Um, and then, you know, I had a couple pretty significant wins. Um, and so kind of like the the same thing the first time you smoke weed or this first time you do coke or whatever, right? It's like, there's never that same high. The intensity of that high is never quite the same. And you're kind of always chasing that feeling of elation and ecstasy and freedom and all the, all the things that can come from using something. Um, and so that you know that cycle, like never, there was never then a big enough win because nothing was as big as that one big win. And I, I always thought, well, it's possible. Um, you asked about voids and like what what I was filling. Uh, I think I was escaping feelings that I had never coped with. You know, so being alone with myself was not something I could easily do. My internal chatter was. Um, you know, lots of, lots of messages of how I was fucking up my life. And then I was going and doing more of that. Um, and I was do, kind of stuck in this pattern of not feeling good enough. Um, and I had a lot of unresolved grief. Um, both of my parents have passed away. All of my, my grandparents have passed away. and My biological father passed away when I was, killed himself when I was three. Um, and so I'd never been taught kind of these healthy coping mechanisms for, any of my feelings, but especially not grief. Um, So I I would say unresolved grief was probably something I was escaping. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. I don't know that gambling was filling anything other than the ability to go be alone without being alone. And also to socialize or not, all in the same space. You know, if I felt like being social, I could hit up a blackjack table or a poker table and talk shit. Mm. (laughs) I assume it's okay to swear here. Yeah, yeah. Um, And on the the flip side of it, if I wanted to be by myself, I could just go zone out on a video machine, video poker, slots, kino, whatever, and not interact with people. And a lot of my friend circle at the time was drinking a lot. And I wasn't a huge drinker. I would sometimes get annoyed with drinking. I drank, but more socially. Um, And so there'd be a certain point in the evening where I'd be like, okay, bye drunk people. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go home. (laughs) Home was the casino. And then I'd leave, leave them uh, and go to the casino and gamble for hours and hours longer while they were probably doing some after party activity or whatever.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's uh it's so when you were when you were doing that when you would escape away from from that group and then go into your like that was like that's where you were hiding. That was like yeah. you know you you're in your your space where you you're that's that's your that's your uh, I don't know you know what I'm talking about, right?
2: Yeah. It was like a secret too. Like no one no one knew. I mean they knew that I was someone who loved to gamble, but I mean they didn't know that I was leaving what I was doing with them to go be by myself at a casino.
0: This other this other part of you that nobody knows about.
2: Yeah, I mean they would know if like if I would brag about like winning, you know. Yeah. Like, hey, brunch is on me. I, you know, <laughs> I won money last night. Um, but no one knew how frequently I was going or how much I was spending and that I was spending well beyond my means um to continue feeding the addiction.
0: So what was the what was the absolute like what was the absolute bottom financially that you got yourself to at a, that if there, if there was one, I mean, what, yeah, there was. And what was that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the, the kind of last day of gambling, I spent my entire paycheck in a matter of hours and I earned a pretty good living. Um, I'd always said that I would never be that person. Um, but there I found myself being the exact same person that was like somebody I had judged years earlier Years earlier, I had encountered this woman at, like, 5 in the morning who told me.
0: If you end up going out, come back in. Looks like we lost her for a second. All right, so we're going to have to bring her back in. If you're watching, she got off for a second. Need to get her back in here. We're talking about uh, gambling and a gambling addiction uh, with Tara. And she has dropped off. There she is. She's back again. Yeah. you No, that's okay. You dropped off for a second. Um, we'll, get, we'll get right back into what you were saying. But first of all, let me just... To let everybody know for the listeners who are wat- listening um, on the, the podcast platforms once this goes. Uh, if you're listening to this and this brings up any kind of triggers for you or feelings that may make you want to relapse into your addiction of gambling or, or you know, whatever it may be, um, call Gamblers Anonymous. That's a name, uh, one of the ones that we have up on the screen right now, and that is 1-88-GA. H-E-L-P-S. That's one eight 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 G gahelps And then the other one that we have is the National Hotline for Gambler's Awareness. And that's the Gambler's Awareness National Hotline. The number for that is 1-800-522-4700. That's one 800 522 4700 thats one 800 522 4-7-0-0. And so if you're struggling with anything, um, and, and if you're struggling with another kind of addiction, you know, seek out uh, National Hel- Helpline for that as well. Um, I have a bunch of them up here in, in my thing, but I don't think any of them are... Uh, pertain to this so I would that's what I would do if I were you and if you need to take a pause and 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 back out of this and and revisit it at another time then I understand that as well you know you got to do everything you can to take care of yourself in in situations like this especially when you get triggered so that's all I wanted to say about that that's my uh public service announcement for the show and now we can get back yeah now we can get back to you Tara and what you were talking about uh prior to that
2: Yeah. Where did I leave off? Uh, my last day gambling, um, uh,
0: you had, yeah, you just, had, uh, let's see, spent your entire paycheck.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, years earlier had encountered this woman when I was moving from one casino to the other. Um, there was a shuttle bus that would take us between the two. So I was walking through these bus doors and there was a woman there, um, and she asked me for money. And she said, I spent my whole paycheck. I have no way to get home. I took the bus here. The bus left without me. Could you spot me some cab fare? Or can you help? And I don't even remember if I help her, but I remember how I judged her. Like, oh, she's got a problem.
0: Mm.
2: <laughs> and then I end up being this woman who spends her whole paycheck and has a car in the parking lot on a nearly empty tank. No money. No money left. Bank account tapped, credit cards maxed, no reasonable way to get money. I had told anyone who had been lending me money, like, stop, stop lending me money. Like, just, just don't lend me money. I need to, you know, I need to make better, better choices with my money. I had sold anything that had any value. Um, And so, so that was, you know, that was the last day. And as I'm leaving, there's like, there's a lake, (laughs) um, and there's a, th- a thought in the back of my mind, like you're worth more dead than alive, and um, that was the, the only time in my life I really recall having a suicidal thought. And uh, I don't, I don't want to die. So I went home, and I I don't know after a good couple hours of crying, and I called my big brother and told him what I'd been doing and that I needed help. And he was with love, was like, all right. What's the plan? You know, before you call our sister, you got to have a plan because she's a planner. What are you going to do? And I'd witnessed so many people having miraculous transformation through twelve step programs, NAA, you name it. That I I knew that was an option for gamblers as well. So I I made a plan. Like I'm going to go to a meeting every day uh, until I until I'm comfortable not gambling. And I'm mean, going to have a money accountability partner. I'm going to completely no access to cash. So I lived off of prepaid debit cards to get my groceries and my gasoline for a couple months and had someone else managing my money, paying my bills with the money that would come in from my my wages. So that was, that was it. My son was about to go to college and I had this like mom promise that I was going to help pay for that. And then if I kept going, there was no way I was going to keep that promise or would I ever get out of the debt I was in without a big win. Um, but I... Finally figured out that that big win wasn't coming ever again.
0: Yeah, that's a that big win. That's that's what we all keep chasing. That big win, that big, that big rush, that big thing that that never comes, you know. And you know, it's a that's.
2: Yeah, if it does, we just give it right back anyway.
0: So, have you have you have you tallied up like the amount of money that uh, that? The, 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 total amount yeah. of, of what you've probably squandered.
2: Yeah. And I, um, you know, I think like I'm always cautious about talking amounts because a dollar to me is a, do- a different to, to someone else, but I can equate it. You know, it was nearly, nearly a year's worth of my salary, um, over the course of several years, but unique to our program. That's part of our fourth mm-hmm. step work. We have to do a financial inventory too. And I had the, the fun um, accelerated version of that because the IRS was kind of saying, "Hey, uh, what's up? <laughs> what's up with this? You won." I'm like, "I didn't yeah, win right. shit. <laughs> like, I, I I did not win. I don't know what you're like. Yeah, they said I won, but hold up, let me. I got to show you how much I lost. So I painstakingly line by line went through years of bank statements and I figured out from what I could. The cash withdrawals, the e checks, the cash advances on the credit cards, and and totaled it up. And uh, yeah, it's about a year's worth of salary.
0: Well, and you had a kid at this uh, during this whole thing too, right? And so, how was I mean that that probably would have thinking about the the shame and the guilt, and you know, was was he all it was? You have a son, right? She said,
2: "I have a son. He's twenty two now." And when he
0: were going through that, was he still at home or was he?
2: Yep. Yeah, he was still home. Um I actually stopped gambling his senior year in high school. Um and the the worst of it was in his last few years at home and that's really when when my addiction was accelerating. I mean, it had been there a long time, but um that's when it was getting really really bad where I you know, I didn't even want to go a couple days without going to the casino or playing pull tabs or or doing some kind of gambling activity. So, um he you know, I think he knew, um and I think the mom shame, the mom guilt that comes with like the things I could have paid for, could have invested in for him with him Pri- yeah, just th- thought about baseball and like private coaching lessons and like telling him essentially a lie, you know, we can't afford it. I mean the reason we couldn't afford it is because I racked up all this debt and I mean just just the maintenance on my debt was enough to make it that I couldn't. Um, justify, if you will, the investment in some of those things. Meanwhile, still gambling. Meanwhile, still wasting money on on gambling. And, um, you know, I think about like vacations. Like we went on a road trip. He and I went on a road trip from here to the Grand Canyon. I'm in Minneapolis. Um, and along the way, you know, we stayed in a town where there was casinos and I left him alone in the hotel room in the middle of the night to go gamble. Um, He was old enough to take care of himself, so there wasn't that element of safety risk. But that's lost quality time, you know. I remember getting excited when he'd go to a friend's because that meant I could go to the casino. And there was kind of those two worlds, you know, that I lived in, like good mom, good employee, and compulsive gambler.
0: Yeah, that's uh – that's got to be tough, man. When you think back about it,
2: yeah, high functioning, right? Yeah, no one, but no one can smell gambling mm-hmm. on your breath.
0: Nope.
2: No, it's pretty. Indisible. Well, thank you
0: for for being so transparent and, and honest. I know I could tell from your listening to your voice that you were, you know, it's not easy for you to talk about it. Still, um, you know that there's emotion right underneath there. Right.
2: For sure, that mom yeah. shame runs deep. I'm working on that one. I, I yeah. got
0: it too, man. It, it happens to me as well. It's just right there, right under the surface. All you have to do is just flick it hard enough, mm-hmm. and it, woo, there goes. It's gone. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Water works. Like, <laughs>
0: um, but you yeah. know that when when we can express that and when we let that go, that's that toxic, uh, you know, pain that's inside that we let out. Hundred the- percent. Yeah. part of the healing. The more you can do that, the the faster you can heal from it. You know, the more you, we talk through these things, um, the more that we take the power away from them, right?
2: A hundred, Yes. So much yeah. so.
0: And so I think that's where yeah. you and I kind of align because I think you listen to me tell that in a, in a room and that's kind of like how we, we, we connected. Yeah.
2: yeah. Kind of clicked on that, right? Like we, we can't like, Holding pain never served us mm-hmm. as addicts, right? Um, or running from the pain, or escaping the pain. So how can I, how can I get comfortable sitting with it? And how can I choose not to run from it and like recognize, like this is this is a signal that this thing needs your attention and needs your unconditional love of yourself to accept yourself fully, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it it takes time to work through it, but I've I've really. Like, the more I grow in my recovery, the better I'm getting at that, right? And like, oh, okay, that's a thing you did, and you still have regret about it. And that's pretty normal that you have regret. Like, how do we make the, the next right decision? So we're not creating new regrets.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the things that you do? I know that you mentioned prior that you, you know, with the uh, prepaid cards to keep yourself without having cash at your at your disposal. Yeah. That was some things that you were yep. doing to mitigate, uh, you know, that, that uh whatever you want to call it, the, uh, the risk of relapse, what, what yeah. are some of the other things that have helped you along the way to try and, and, you know, maybe not the, the, the financial type of trip ups that there are, but what about the emotional trip ups that put us into that space of, I just need to something to get out of whatever it is that I'm, I'm struggling with.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, um, one of the first things that I did, um, was create a project for myself. So, you know, I was kind of doing a little self-exploration, like, okay, <laughs> if you, you know, if you're leaving home to go to the casino, cause you're trying to escape your thinking, like, obviously you're not ready to just think. So how do you occupy your mind, occupy your hands and, and, um, have that opportunity to get out of your head. Right. <clears throat> and, I was like, I don't like, it. I go to the casino. Like what else? There's no answer. There's no other answers. And I, and then I started getting a little curious with myself at the help of a sponsor, right? Like, well, what did you like to do before you were caught up in addiction? What are some things you were interested in when you were younger? What are some things that you enjoyed doing? And, you know, I kind of made this list and on that list and was and I mentioned that, you know, part of going to the casino was this like communion, if you will, with my grandmother and on that list was woodworking, which was something that was kind of communion with my father. And I like no money. <laughs> so I'm like, well, shit, like how do you do woodworking when you have no money? Um, so I, I hustled up some free pallets from people who, you know, worked in warehouses and I got some free pallets and I, I created a project. I I built a wall, I built a pallet wall, <laughs> like a divider wall that had function in my bedroom to be a dividing space between my desk area and my bed. So I could separate a little bit of separation between work and life. Um, cause I had roommates moving in and I was losing an office space. So I needed the wall and I built the wall and that project took me a few weeks and it was something to consume an hour, two hours of my time in that window right after work is when I was most likely to <laughs> be like, today sucked. I'm going <laughs> to go get out of my head. And, um, so that was that was just another way to get out of my head, and then I, you know, I started looking at some some other things that were important to me that I had not even scratched the surface on, if you will, in, in how I was spending my time volunteering, learning how to golf, cooking home cooked meals, <laughs> those kinds of things.
0: Yeah, what a concept! Cooking a home, uh, cooking, huh? Make, make, making meals. Yeah, weird.
2: Yeah, like grown up, like,
0: like grown up stuff.
2: Clean fold, folding and putting away my laundry. Adulting.
0: <laughs>
2: what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hate speech! Damn it! Hate speech! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it <could> <laughs> no, I, I, I understand that. It's, um, uh, it's man, it's it's it's. I would. I remember telling people about my own addiction and like how I mitigate things. I'm like, especially if I started dating someone, I was like, you know you're getting involved with a mogwai do you know what that is right okay so a mogwai is what is what a gremlin is before it's a gremlin remember the cute little gizmo from gremlins
2: oh wow i haven't thought about that movie forever
0: so that's a mogwai well what what happens (laughs) to a mogwai if you feed it if you feed it after midnight or if you get it wet yeah, nothing good. Nothing good. Nothing so good. I'm like, well, yeah, that's kind of what I'm like. I've, I come with instructions. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I can't do that. Uh, you know, I it, you know, I, I can't be at a bar after a certain time at night. I can't close down a bar because usually that's when people go, hey, let's go back to my place for after parties. And then, well, what happens at yep. an after party? Well, that's when the drugs start flowing, yeah. right? And so right. it's just probably right. not a good place for me to be. So therefore, I don't, you know, I do drink once in a while. I'm not the kind of uh, like my thing was meth and that was my drug of choice everything else kind of didn't it wasn't a thing for me and so, mm-hmm. uh, like, I will have a drink every now and again um, if it's more like a social thing, but I don't like drinking too much because if I do, then there's that, the, the, there comes a gremlin. Um, and it, so, there's, it's like a fine line you gotta, you, I have to, I have to walk. And most of the time, I just choose not yeah. to. You know, I just prefer not to drink at all yeah. if I can help it, but um, I don't like it, right. it gives me a headache immediately most of the times. And so, it just, it, to me, it's just, there's no benefits to it.
2: I very recently stopped drinking for that reason. I was like, what's the, what's the upside? Like if we're talking about nowhere to go, but up, like what's the upside for alcohol Mm -hmm. in my life? And I decided the answer was there wasn't that I could have just as much fun sipping on a fancy mocktail on the patio. And that's, but that's new for me. Right. And I don't know if that's a forever decision or a for now decision because alcohol was not the substance I had a, a bad relationship with early on in my 20s I had um, I had a weekend relationship with cocaine that once I decided I had a problem I was like yeah I just shouldn't be around it and I just exited the lives of many people at that time
0: yeah well that's I mean you're lucky when when you have something like that that you can do that with it's you know I, I I did coke too but you know what what ended up what I ended up finding out is that everything so how I how I tried to skate around the fact that I had a drug problem was I would be addicted to everything that I was selling so if I was selling coke I was doing way more coke than I should have been doing and not making money on it and so I would switch over and I'm like well I'm gonna sell ecstasy now like a terrible yeah. drug. Dealer. I'm I Yeah, I was. I was a. I was a barely break even drug dealer. I, I paid for. You know, yeah. I made sure that I didn't get beat up by the guy I was getting it from. Um, but I. I really wasn't making a lot of money, and it was just more of a show than anything. Um, and, okay. but I would just switch uh substances to sell, so I don't have a. I don't have a cocaine problem because now I have an ecstasy problem. Well, I don't have an ecstasy problem because now I have a problem with GHB, and so i would just it was just this game i would play right
2: mhm yeah it's the things we do to convince ourselves that we don't have a problem i mean with gambling like and that's it's such a cyclical thing right because it's win loss win loss win loss i you know i wasn't losing all the time i was winning intermittently enough that i continued to believe the lie that that i would keep winning until i had a series of lose 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 lose, lose. And like, I think that's one of the most dangerous things about this addiction. It's like, if I use again, there is the potential that that happens, right? So it makes it, it makes it a bit harder. I don't have that same. um, I think like it's very easy to talk myself out of a substance, right? Like, oh, that could kill you. Like, you could OD, you could be dead. There could be fentanyl in it, you could be dead. Like, like that's a a hard a hard you could die. Where with gambling, you know, it's it's like that little voice in the back of your mind always tries to convince you. Like, maybe, you know, but what if you won? And it's such bullshit because there was no such thing as walking out of a casino in the black for me anymore because I would not stop chasing an even bigger win.
0: That's a good point. That's well, that's, that's, that's actually that's a yeah. great point because you're right. For me, it was like the, the, I had nothing but losses. You know, there there's no wins in the column of of meth addiction. It, you know, it it was just right. you know losses, 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 and it just depends. Okay, well, how 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 quick is it going to get for me to get to the bottom this time? You know, but that's where yeah. I'm going. Trust me, I'm not going yeah. anywhere else but down. There's nowhere to go but up and anywhere in in that equation.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's tricky in that sense because you you know, you w- when you're in early recovery from a gambling addiction, that's probably one of the hardest things because you're in some most of us are in some pretty dire financial straits at that point, right? We've pretty, you know, I I spent all of my retirement savings. I spent every ounce of credit I had. No one else was about to give me a new card. I had tapped out my friend resources. I'd sold anything of value. And what was next would have been stealing mm. to to feed it or, you know, continuing to go into a bigger financial hole, maybe not paying on the house. Like I, I paid the mortgage. Good job. <laughs> um, and that, but as I'm looking at that debt total, there was always that little voice in the back of my mind that was kind of trying to trick me back into it saying, well, you know, if it, you know, maybe this problem gets a little smaller if you win. Um, this made it really, really hard in those early days to not think of it that way, which I think was why it was so critical for me not to have access to cash. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's that, that, that crazy, that crazy voice, the, that one that, that, that talks us into everything. You know, mm-hmm. I think, I think when, when people, when you can learn how to navigate that voice and turn it and turn it off or turn it down. Cause I don't think, I don't think it ever leaves. Yeah. It, it's no? always there. Um, but how loud it gets is dependent on where I'm at in my, in my life. Right. Yeah. Emotionally. Yeah. Uh, have I had enough sleep? Have I, you know, there's all kinds of things that are tied to it. Am I hungry? That's, Hungry, angry, yeah I mean tired. you know the people they say that but it's for a reason I mean all of those things play a part in in how we respond and react to things um and and those you know whether like mental health is perfect perfect name for it right because that's right. what it is yeah. it's it's Good. it's you know your your mental abilities and capabilities being healthy enough to to not listen or be able to turn those voices down um, when, or when-
2: recognize what voice. Yeah, is oh yeah. yeah.
0: As,
2: as a way that I look at it for myself too, it's like, is this my addicted mind trying to trying to do something here, or you know, is this is this my ambitious mind?
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you know, like, am I am I tr- trying to do something that lives into the values of the who I want to be in the world and the legacy I want to leave, or is this the voice? that want that wants to destroy herself. Like that's the addictive voice. Like we don't want to listen to that version of you anymore. And those things can go in the, within us, but you're right. Like how do we turn it down or how do I fight it? Right? Like you're wrong. <laughs> you know? like, like and just and just know with certainty, like, yeah, I don't have to listen to that bullshit anymore. Because look what look what listening to to that voice
0: did. Mm-hmm. You know, And playing the tape out. And that's what a lot of things we say is like, you know, all right, well, if I do X, then then Y is going to happen. And if that happens, then this happens. And if this happens, then that's going to happen. And if that happens, then it's like, okay, well, I don't want any of that shit to happen. So let's just, let's go do something different. (laughs)
2: Yeah, let's avoid that potential consequence and just not. Yeah, let's just go read
0: a book then. I mean it's really it sounds pretty flipping boring, but you know, I guess the alternative is I don't like that one either. So (laughs) And this one's free. I already bought the book.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Somebody lent it to me. I got it from the library. (laughs) Pretty safe price. Read a book instead all yes. right so
0: I think we've talked quite a bit about about uh, your story and, and how the impacts of of gambling on your life and and you know if anybody's listening I will throw up these national hotline numbers uh, one more time before we end this broadcast uh, we're at about 41. I have another one at five but let's touch a little bit on on what you're doing now because you switched out of your career and 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 jumped into and jumped into your purpose and your passion I believe right?
2: Yeah, yeah, I did. And I'm on a, you know, I'm on a, a different version of that than I than I had been. But instead of listening to the voices all around me telling me who I should be in the world, I decided to listen to myself and what I wanted to do um, in the world. And I also kind of fueled and sparked by my son prompting me, you know, I'm giving him a little pep talk while he was in college telling him, uh, giving him permission almost to like drop a class if he wanted, and like it's okay. Like I just want you to be happy. I want you to pursue your dreams. And he's like, "Well, what about you? Having you always wanted to start your own business, uh, what's stopping you?" And I'm like, "Oh <laughs> shit, this kid! <laughs> <laughs> okay, here he goes, saving my life again. Right? We're like changing the trajectory of my life again." And um, and so I made a decision to start a recruiting business. That was the profession that I was in for a really, really long time. And as I was in that business, um, I had I had my first epic business fail. I think they say that's a, a key marker in the life of an intra- entrepreneur that you have to fail uh, and get comfortable with failure. And, but what I learned through that was that the things that I enjoyed about that work truly was the people, the interaction with the candidates, the people, the job seekers, the people who were interviewing and helping them navigate this big change trajectory in their lives. And the same for the managers, really helping them kind of understand what do we need? You know, what do we need in our team? And how do we, how do we select the right person? So it was all about the people. And I, um, I kind of hit this, that moment with that business where I had to make a decision. Am I going to keep going down this path of, you know, trying to serve businesses or is there an opportunity for me to make a move and shift and focus on the people aspect? So my first iteration of coaching was career coaching, um, I would created a model. I'm a customer of a life coach and um, following some of the work that she had introduced to me and then kind of making it work for myself, much like we do in recovery, make the steps work for yourself. I created my own thought work model for coaching myself. And I started applying it my own life and it it worked. And then I got customers and it worked for them. And I had this false narrative going, Well, you're only qualified to be your career coach because you've been a recruiter. Like you can't be a life coach. And um, I'm coaching my career coaching students and all of a sudden someone's like, Hey, like, can I can I try this thought model with this thing I got going with my boyfriend? my parents and I'm like, ah, if you want to. So they kind of led me and say, okay, it works for everything. Like we, you, you need to do more than just career coaching. So I took a step back mentally for myself to say, okay, if I'm going to go all in on coaching, um, like my gambling Mm -hmm. language there, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) if I'm going to do that for coaching, like, let me back up. Like if this is no longer about helping people manage career decisions and career choices and navigating the, the, path to career change? What is it? And who do I want to serve? And over and over, the answer was women in recovery. So I kind of paused on any coaching while I created. And I've now created a couple coaching programs for women with one or more years free from an addiction, feeling a bit stuck, wanting a breakthrough, maybe struggling to achieve some goals and helping them stop regretting the past and start believing in the future.
0: Awesome. That's beautiful. I love that. Nice. And I love the fact that you, you know, were able to just take that leap because that's a tough, that's a tough leap. And I think we had talked about it before and you, you know, a lot of people in, in your life, you know, don't have that, don't, did, did, can't see that vision.
2: Yeah. It's something about like embracing that risk taking side of myself and applying it to my life in a new way. You know, I get, you know, I have a risk taker profile, not just gambling, but, you know, adventure sports, rock climbing, jumping out of planes, cliff jumping, you know, those kinds of things. And so where, how can I harness that and see it as a trait instead of a character defect?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you. I appreciate uh, everything that you've shared with us. and.
2: Yeah, thanks for taking the time to to let me talk about gambling addiction. If that's not one you've had here before, I'm happy to be a resource to anybody who wants to reach out, either through the website or Instagram or Facebook, which can be found on the website that you've got up there right yeah,
0: now. Yeah, and the the website is uh, www.ambitiousaddicts.com. dot com. Uh, you can go there and catch all of her social media profiles if you want to follow um, Tara. Also, she is on Clubhouse if you because that's where we met and that's where we kind of hang out. It we is. Spend lots of time there, uh, and that's uh, at Ambitious Addict. And then we have you can email Tara at tara at dot com. The And all of these are in the show notes. They will be in the show notes, and they're in the description uh, of this broadcast. So you can get direct links there. Just go click, and, and it'll take you where you got to go. Um, she had also mentioned some books that were, were helpful to her. Uh, one was uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, and we've got some direct links to Amazon for that, and that's an affiliate link. So if you order the book from there, you're helping out the show. Um. And a podcast concession con, suggestions, not concessions. <laughs> um, am I hungry? I'm looking for concessions. You <laughs> might be. Um, we got the life coach <laughs> school by Brooke Castillo, and then all in the addicted gamblers pod. All in the addicted gamblers podcast. So these are all good things to, to, uh, read and check out on the podcast. Podcasts have always really been, uh, really detrimental to me and my change. Um, you know, through listening to them religiously nonstop, uh, really helped me to gain more awareness for myself and, and to change that mindset.
2: Yeah. There's so many good ones out there too. It's uh it is a, it's a nice to have a medium outside of books. Yeah, for
0: sure. <laughs> and then also yeah. too, if you, if you need, if you're having an issue and you want to call gamblers anonymous and, and take a step forward to try to uh, mitigate that for yourself. Uh, the number for thats eight 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 is 1-888-G, G as in Gary, A as in alpha, H as in help, E as in uh, what's a good one for E? elephant Elephant. l for larry (laughs) p for popcorn and s for sam and then also the gamblers awareness national hotline which is 1-800-522-4700 is there anything else
2: yeah i would yeah just just for anyone listening that may be affected by somebody else's gambling issues um, those phone numbers are a great resource for you, too.
0: There you go. And so I hope you guys enjoyed uh, the episode and the information that we've given you and, and Tara's story. Feel free to reach out to her, like I said, on our social media platforms, and you can find that by going to her website. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to close with, Tara?
2: Thanks so much for what you're doing uh, to continue to spread hope and positivity and you know, bring real-life stories uh, to to the world. Um, this is so important. Your work, your work matters. I really appreciate you having me here today.
0: You're welcome. And then we have a, a funny one. Do you got any tips for people that are addicted to clubhouse? Yeah. Just don't, just don't turn it on.
2: <laughs> there is a clubhouse anonymous room in clubhouse, which makes complete sense. Oh, is <laughs> uh, I do actually like set some time limits, like, you know, like that we think about addiction and like harm reduction. If clubhouse is affecting your life, give yourself some guidelines and,
0: and turn it. off your notifications. That helps too. Oh yeah.
2: That helped me too. Yeah, if A you lot. don't know what's
0: going on, then you're not going to be uh, tempted to, to try to jump on and figure it out. So yeah, yeah. all, all great tips, sure. man. And I appreciate it. I appreciate anybody who's been watching and, uh, and, and for uh, participating in the comments there and, that's about all I have. I've got, I'm running right into another one at five o'clock, which is going to be with, uh, John Boziak, who is a, yeah, he is a credit card fraud guy and he is actually, he was probably the number one fraud, uh, person, uh, for a period of time, uh, in the United States. So that's going to be an interesting one.
2: Yeah, I almost kind of want to stay on. I uh, hey, Danny. Um, I I but someone else is trying to connect me with John, and I'm like, I don't know. Is is, is he an addict? Like, is is criminal behavior an addiction? Maybe it is. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so have fun talking to him. I'll I'll look forward to seeing it. I've got his. He's on my list of people to email. I've got a, a mutual friend who keeps asking, like, are you going to reach out to John or not? Yeah. So have fun. He looks Yeah, like he is. Interview. He's got a, he's, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, I do. Th- I did the same thing, just not at his level. But we were both in the same story. We have parallel stories.
2: Cool. Well, I'm looking forward to catching that. All right, Sarah.
0: I will see you around. Um, I'll uh, reach out to you once these uh, published on the podcast platforms. Give me about a couple of weeks, and then I'll send you an email with all the links and all the promotional materials as well, too.
2: Sounds good. Thanks so much, Sean. Have a fantastic rest of your night. I'll probably all right. see you in clubhouse. Bye. Bye bye.
0: And everybody else, thank you. I appreciate the uh, you watching and, and tuning in. And stay tuned for the next one. I'm going to pull out of this broadcast and start the uh, the one immediately following this. So I will see you in a few minutes. <laughs>